Welcome to Death and Aliens, an in-depth look at horror and sci-fi TV from two friends who vaguely know what they're doing. I'm Courtney. And I'm MK. Sure thought you were about to take a drink of wine before you said your name. And I was like, come on now. We have the, we have an intro that we do. <laughs> it's okay. I almost started saying the intro and then I was like, it's not my turn. No, it's not your turn. Anyways, aside from that, how are you? You know, I'm good. I'm good. I'm trying to remember all the things that happened since the last time I talked to you. Um, but I think the most exciting. Well, no. So I, a lot of <laughs> I did, but I had a I had a rough week last week. Um, I stayed at school until 10 p.m. on Tuesday. Yeah, um, I remember. Mm-hmm. I told you I was like, go home. Yeah. Well. Um, and then because I stayed at school because I was like trying to finish like decorating my bulletin boards and stuff. Cause that's something I'm really bad at. Like I'm great at teaching the whole, like making your classroom look like a learning environment. I no, I can't, I can't, I don't have the energy for that. I agree. But, but then on Wednesday, the reason I was stayed so late on Tuesday is because on Wednesday we're supposed to have meetings with the principal about our classrooms and everything. And on Wednesday, my principal was like, listen, I know the bulletin boards suck, but like, you gotta have them done. And I know, I was like, I know, listen, blah, blah. And we talked about the fact that I'm always the last person in the building and like how long I'm staying and everything and how much work I'm putting in. And they were like, what can we do to make things better for you? So I don't have desks. Well, yes. But um, as of Thursday, I don't have desks in my classroom anymore. I got rid of all of them. What? I was like, I hate having to, I was like, because I do so much group work in my class and I do all kinds of things where they're moving around, they're sitting on the floor, they're laying, I don't need desks. And all that ever happens is that the desks are somewhere and then the kids move them and then I pick up the classroom after them and I'm done. So now I don't have desks anymore. I have tables. I have four big round tables with chairs at them that we're going to decorate the tables and the kids will be easily be able to do group work. And because it's only four tables, if we have to move them for like being on the floor. Yeah. Yeah. So genius. I love it. Great. Yeah. So I, and the kids were like scared out of their minds when they walked in. Yeah. They walked in and they're like, this is too much change for one day. And I was like, yeah good good yeah take it you're welcome suck it up um but yeah no pips heat lamp burned out and i was really worried about her but then i got a new heat lamp and she's doing great she's super happy everything's good there we my desks are or my tables are the most exciting part of my life right now <laughs> i know i'm it, i know that's the dumbest thing no that's a big like you told me and now i'm like Am I okay from this change? And it doesn't affect me. <laughs> right. Like, I walked into the classroom. This happened on Thursday during the day, and I was so excited. And then I walked in Friday morning, and I still was like, oh, my God, that's right. I don't have desks. <laughs> I love that, though, for you. Like, that's – that's because you're so, like, creative and stuff, so your mind is not no, structured the same way. Like, desk, 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 desk. No. No, I hate it. Yeah, it makes it makes more sense. So, like, I'm glad. I'm glad for you. Good job. And we talked. We talked about maybe actually like because my school's so old and it's so small that like even the middle school has cubbies in the classroom where there's just like a coat room instead yeah. of like lockers. What we talked about maybe getting rid of those and getting lockers, and then the coat room area will actually be like storage and I'll have like space. Okay. And I already feel like I have so much more space now. I love so that. The desks. Ugh. But I kept three desks, right? Okay. Three desks. And I literally told the kids, I go, if you can't figure out how to function with four other humans at a table and you don't know how to shut up when I'm talking, those desks in the corner there, those are the islands that you will get moved to and evicted from your table if you can't figure it out. Good. Yes. You have to have a good threat in place. So I like it. Yeah. So I, like I have a, eviction islands. Ugh, I wish we all had eviction islands. Ugh, that should be like a daily, like human implemented thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. How are you? You know, better than I expected. <laughs> to be fair, good. Um, I did a lot last week. Uh, it's the last week of Death of a Salesman. I didn't get to tell all my people bye this week. 
because only Bill came in Saturday. And Thursday, I saw Steven and Nathaniel. But, like, they've all been so busy that I need, and they, they ended yesterday. So, kind of a bummer. Same thing with Strange Loop. They had booked tables last night and I wasn't there. So, like, Aww. I didn't get to build them. By. And, like, so I was a little, like, bittersweet ending. And I was like, these people have all been so lovely and such a big part of my life now for mm-hmm. so long. Yeah. And, um, but I've been I've been working so much that it's just been what it is. Like, uh, we've we've had a lot of big parties at the bar. So Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, I was booked all day. Like there was no like, br- I mean, I took a break for dinner, but like yeah. there was no like break in time outside of taking a break for dinner, mm-hmm. which like is good money wise. But it also means I worked seventy hours this week, but also probably closer to eighty because with the ANR that I do now, um, I. We had Winter Jazz Fest in New York City. Mm-hmm. And so Friday, me and Brian and Nora, which Brian's my assistant, Nora's, um, she does a lot of like sync placements and stuff. And so she works more on the licensing side, but also it's me and her that go to everything. So yeah, um, the three of us were going to Winter Jazz Fest. We got a ticket and they did a Manhattan Marathon on Friday, which let me tell you, <laughs> that night was wild. We started at City Winery. Um, because that's where like one of the main stages was for Jazz Fest. Incredible performers. I've got like so many cover ideas for our works now that like my A and R brain was just like going on Friday. So we Fantastic. saw three acts there, and then Nora and Brian both had to get home. And I was like, I live in the city. It is eight thirty nine. Oh no. I was thinking it was like I was thinking it was like eleven thirty. Nine thirty? No, you've got at least two more. Right. <laughs> so I was like, it's like we left City Winery at nine so that Nora could catch the nine thirty train. Because she lives she lives like towards Westchester. So like she's got a, a long ride home. And um I was like, you know, I have a couple of people I was interested in because I did a lot of research before. It's like there's yeah. a couple more people I'm interested in seeing. And um so I ended up going to the jazz gallery, which I couldn't get a seat at. So we were down in the lobby, but I asked her, she said that there was a live stream so we could hear it, and I was like do you mind if we watch it too? Like, I just want to be able to see these people and like hear them. And like, even if I can't be there, I can like get familiar with their music. Incredible duo. Like duo. Like it was a piano and guitar and they were incredible. Fantastic. So I was glad I like stayed around for about a half hour and listened to them. And then I went to new blue. I don't know how familiar anyone is with Avenue C in New York. <laughs> like in Manhattan, not the one in Brooklyn, but it's the one in Manhattan. I wasn't. So I went to New Blue because I was like, I really want to see Nate Marcero. I really want to see um, Isaiah Collins. And I was like, and I'll, you know, I'll catch Reed Anderson too. So I'll end up seeing Seven Acts tonight, no problem. Because I, I didn't get a seat at Jazz Gallery. So I was like, I'll go a little earlier and just catch the, the first act too. New Blue is a club. There was a disco ball hanging from the ceiling. And I went by myself. I walked in. And I just ordered double Jameson. I was like, I don't, I don't know how to approach this situation. I was like, there's lights flashing. It's dark. People are standing everywhere. There's a disco ball. It's electronic music. So I went and I found this couch area on the side. And I just sat down on the couch and drank my Jameson. And I texted people and hung out on my phone. I listened to Nate Mercer. I listened to Reed Anderson. And not my style. And I don't think there's a lot of places we can go with that. I listened to Nate Mercero, and they kind of had a lot of Pink Floyd vibes, which is fine. Also, not always my favorite type of music, but I understand yeah. how well-renowned it is yeah. and how like, important it is. And I, I do like. I mean, there's a lot of Pink Floyd songs I like, but uh, that's kind of what they reminded me of. But it was, it was just so weird that, like, I felt like I was hearing the beginning to breathe from Pink Floyd, and there's a disco ball, there's lights, and there's people, and it's dark, and I was just like, I'm going to listen to one song from this band and I'm just going to skip Isaiah Collins today. Like, I don't think I'm going to make it through. So mm-hmm. I ended up getting home about 1230 or one, but it was just like a wild night for me. I like, yeah. I committed because we you left did. work at four and I got home close to one. Like, well, I did not do anything that exciting, um, but I did uh, learn why I don't bingo like an old lady. Oh, I love bingo. Because, you know, I love bingo on my phone. Right. 
Um, but I went to a fundraiser for my friend's daughter's dance studio on Saturday, and it was a bingo, um, and it was designer handbag bingo. Um, okay. It was intense. Bingo does get intense. It got, like, there was a room of 500 middle-aged women that was silent. That sounds right. <laughs> and I was overwhelmed. Yeah. Um, but I did get to see my friends Tracy and Amy, who I haven't seen in so long. Like, I literally haven't seen Tracy since August. Ugh, um so long. So it was, I know, it was so nice. And she was asking me about Christmas, and she asked me what Dan and I got for each other. Tracy's the one who um, convinced me to date Dan in the first place. Um, but she asked what we got for each other, and I was telling her, and she just started laughing at me. And she goes, he got you a heating pad for your back and you got him kitchen tools. That's not a first Christmas together. You guys are a hundred years old and a married couple. Like it's disgusting. Oh, a thousand percent. A thousand percent. <laughs> and I was like, you just got things we needed. Like I don't understand. Well, like you're also like adults. It's not like you're 16 year old teenagers who just started dating. Like, right. I mean, and like, we also got like, he got me a glass ornament of um, a peacock that was beautiful. And it like had to do with him and I painting the peacock on my bedroom wall. And like, I got him a puzzle that was like a, his favorite picture of us. And like, we got romantic things too, but we're also both like practical people. And it's not like we're in the honeymoon phase. Like we're fully we already know we're gonna get married it's just a matter of timing so like it was just but it was so funny how she was just like I'm like (laughs) I'm sitting here at bingo I'm being made fun of by my friends and then she just goes uh hey do you want a drink and I was like yeah and she just pulls out seltzer from her like (laughs) her husband came at intermission because there was like 15 rounds of bingo and her husband came at intermission with like um, a snack bag of like hard seltzer and pretzels for us. Oh my god, you are a thousand! Like, I'm here for the bingo, but that's that's a little far with all. Like, yeah, no. So we like had snacks. yeah, we had snacks and alcohol and like a whole setup, and we had a bag full of bingo daubers for if ours ran out. Like it was, and we were talking about the fact that I got kitchen tools for Christmas. Like I was like, I'm literally. A 90-year-old woman. That's incredible. I love it. And um, then and, and then I got flagged on YouTube for swearing. Right. So, like, you know, hit or miss. Depends on the day. Right. Yeah. Um, so that said, you know what else I love? What is that? I love a good spiritual affirmation. Well, and you know what's so funny? Because I we've talked about the fact that I just like put these in a random order and I'm just yeah. picking from the pile. Um, because today's spiritual affirmation card says, meet up with a friend and have a good bitch. Well, and I feel like we both did that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we've been talking at this point for what, four hours now? Like Four hours. Yeah. For us, four hours, but also like both of us, like what we did in the last week was just like get drinks with our friends and bitch about our lives. Absolutely. That is where we're It's beautiful. I had drinks with friends Thursday friday and i mean friday saturday and sunday like i only i i spent the night friday by myself which was amazing but then i had drinks with friends saturday and then yesterday was i just it was football it was a football day right yeah no we yeah we went and watched the so the unseen artist table re got over like right before halftime of the giants game and so we like rushed over to that closest Irish bar okay. and um, watched right. the Giants so game, the Bengals game. This there. episode will come out on the 29th or something of January. So, no, what's seven plus 19? 26th, whatever. I don't know. This episode that we're filming right now is forever away. So it doesn't matter. Many games will have been played since then. But it is currently the middle of wildcard weekend for football the fucking jaguars won on saturday yeah they did the bills almost didn't the giants won i don't know what is happening in the and world then the Bengals won. 
Well, the Bengals, I knew the Bengals were going to win. The Bengals and the Bills, the Bengals and the Bills, I knew they were going to win. That was fine. The Bills gave me the entire city of Buffalo a heart attack. And it was a three and a half hour long game of football. Football is not supposed to last that long. It was bananas. I was shocked that the Seahawks didn't win that game. I was glad because I hate the Seahawks. But like, you were shocked that the Seahawks didn't beat the 49ers. The Seahawks shouldn't have been in the playoffs. No, they shouldn't have been, but like the 49ers, I don't know if they should have been either. And um it was, it was just yeah. it's been all, well, and I was also like I just had like accepted the Jaguars were gonna lose. Well because I've had thing. Kirk Cousins. Is it Kirk Cousins? No, Kirk Cousins is the Vikings. Who's somebody Kirk then? Christian Kirk. Sorry. I get all my names mixed up. Christian yeah. Kirk plays for the Jaguars. And so I had him in my fantasy all year. And so I was like, Jaguars gotta make it all the way. Like I'm committed. And then I was like, they're not gonna win. Well, Looks like that's not was, gonna so Dan and Doug and I are watching the Jaguars game on Saturday night. And then I had just been playing, I was at work and then I was at bingo. So like my back could no longer handle being seated. So Dan, I went to lay down just because I literally couldn't be sitting up anymore because tailbone injury. So Dan right. and I are in his room just because I physically cannot be standing or sitting. And then Whatever, and we left, and the Jaguars were down by like twenty-seven or something thousand points. Yeah, yeah. And then Doug just goes, "Hey guys, you might want to come back out here." (laughs) And we were like, "Why?" He goes, "I don't even know how to explain what is happening right now." (laughs) How to tell you what's happening? (laughs) And we walk back in the living room, and I go, "I'm sorry, it was I I I cannot." It was wild. Yeah. It was wild. Yeah. So, yeah, football has been the most weird. wild part of my week. But, like, this whole year has been weird for football. So, like, I get it. Right. You know what's uh, been weird? And will probably be weird until we Fucking Bates Motel. It's a new week. It's a new season. It's a new era for Bates Motel. Now... I knew that there was a time jump, but I was not prepared. I also was not prepared. <laughs> I agree. Um, so we do have a time jump in this season, which will be addressed throughout as we come across things that have happened <laughs> that should not have happened in five minutes, but happened in Correct. you know three to five years. Um, this is season five, episode one, called Dark Paradise, which is like the most apt title yeah yeah really i I hate it i hate it (laughs) but incredible so um it aired february 20th of 2017 we are like almost in the same like time frame of where we're living now it's only six years ago weird um it was rated 8.5 out of 10 which is not bad for an opener and it mm-hmm. i don't know where we're going so yep sounds good to me like I don't, I don't have any feelings otherwise um number one song is shape of you by ed sheeran of course it is number one movie is get out which is incredible mm-hmm. um number one book is right behind you by lisa gardner and i have not read any of lisa gardner's books but i have a lot on my to be read list because i've heard okay. she's really good so i have a lot of her books that i'm like interested in reading um i didn't have this one on there but it's now added on there since i've done research fantastic um nothing happened on this day i believe it but i made some things happen it was uh president's day okay um there were uh, a lot of birthdays uh patty hurst and brian luttrell both had birthdays not in this year obviously but this was their birthday in 1877 on this day swan lake premiered the perform they had the premiere performance at the bolshoi is it bolshoi theater the one in moscow okay and um the popular names of the year baby names were emma and liam sorry you said what day in february 20th we're 20th um 2017 of 2017 i was student teaching Mm -hmm. i think i was just finishing my first student teaching placement about then um 
I was auditioning for uh, Henry V at Shakespeare in the Park. Um, I was in a very tumultuous um, attempt at a relationship um, because that was the year that I started dating the chef and then I didn't really know what I was doing and I didn't like him as much as he liked me and I felt bad. Um, and I think that's about when we started dating. Um, yeah. I was uh, probably crying because this was my second year of the second half of my second year of law school and it was one of the roughest <laughs> periods yeah. of, my, of my law school career so probably was sad and not doing well but it was about a month away from turning 25 and my 25th birthday is when i flew to germany for a day for a day yeah you don't remember that i don't Oh, it was like right before I came to New Orleans. Um, I went to Germany for literally a weekend and I went to a concert. Like I got there Saturday morning, oh. went to a concert, got to the concert Saturday night, like spent Sunday at the park and then flew home Monday morning. Was that for Tokyo Hotel? Yeah. <laughs> I do remember that. Okay. I do remember yes. that. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. Yeah. So it was like mm -hmm. a weird time. 2017, like early 2017, weird time. Weird, weird time. year. Weird year. Um, yeah. Um, Nothing else is really weird. The directors, Tucker Gates. Fantastic. The writers are the same. We do have a story editor who's been added. Um, it's Tori Spear. They um, were also a writer's assistant for a lot of the season. So they've been involved in a lot of the episodes already, but they've officially been credited as story editor for this episode. Fantastic. Um, they also are known for something called Impulse, which I haven't seen, but she did write the morning show. So like... <laughs> pretty pretty like standout credits for the few that she has um our guest star this episode which i will be talking a lot about from now until the end is Ma isabel mcnally who plays madeline loomis and she is known for everything i've never heard of she's Fantastic. known for Frances Ha, which I think I've heard of, but that was like the only one that I was like, I might have heard of this. Okay. And before I disappear, she is the daughter of Keith McNally. Her first language is French, and she is an avid table tennis player. Good for her. And that is Isabel McNally. And with that, we start probably three years in. I don't know that we got an exact time frame. <laughs> My mom said that Wikipedia said that it was two years later. Oh, okay. Fine. <laughs> I, I used know. my brain. I didn't look it up. I literally was like, I don't even know what the time jump was. And my mom was like, I'm pretty sure Wikipedia says it's two years later. And I was like, okay, I will take your word for it because I'm, I'm not Googling it. Go change on Wikipedia three hmm. years because it felt more like a three-year transition than a two-year. And so, like, that's what I think it was. It was probably two years, but still. Well, I think two years seems correct just in terms of when you would get up for parole. But he has two years left from now, right? That he's yeah, getting up, which feels so like a five-year sentence. Maybe. Okay, so, so it's somewhere, be somewhere to between two to three years. So it's something in that time frame. Right. Okay. So, naturally, we start with only creepy things. We start with Bing Crosby's beautiful baby and a delusional Norman. Okay, I never realized how creepy the lyrics to that song are until I was reading them on, like, the, the closed the subtitles. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, this is fucked up. Yep, I felt the same way. I was like okay it's johnny mercer wrote it and i forget who the other writer was but i was like it's really prominent people that like worked on this song i was I like i don't know if that's just like at times they are a change in but like <laughs> i mean it, yeah. i mean it's johnny mercer and bean crosby's so like possibly but like yeah i did not i did not care for the way that they were talking about pretty yeah. children we uh yeah we uh we follow norman through his wake up and juno is of course alive because he's 
in a delusional state. Everything is sunny and bright and happy. He goes into the bathroom, brushes teeth, and Norma's lingerie is all behind him. And he's like, we got to go downstairs, buddy. It's breakfast time. I smell breakfast. He goes downstairs to Norma making breakfast. And it's just... I wrote, I can't explain how much I fucking hate this show. Yeah. And Norma is exactly who he wants her to be, which is among many of the reasons you can tell this is not how we're going. Mm-hmm. And then he walks out the door and probably the greatest, one of the greatest scenes in this episode, the camera pans back in and everything is dark and everything is a mess. And it's like, we came in this happy and bright and everything's good for Norman. And then like when he steps out of his delusional state into reality, we see that it's really not that way. <laughs> Uh, that was a really good scene. Yeah. And then we hit the credits. So, like, if you weren't sure, we're still watching Bates Motel because that was spot on where I expected us to go. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. And then we uh, jump over to prison to see your love early on. I wrote the and, fact that Alex is in prison and Norman isn't. I just, I can't. I can't. I can't. But we also, we knew that. Um, I know. And it's a very, like, quick glimpse of him in prison. We see him heading out for the day. He has a picture of him and Norman on the wall. I mean, him and, whew, him and Norma on the wall. And I said, and no. a pic- it's, it's a picture of him and Norma and a picture of him and his mom. Like, that is yeah. just the saddest thing in the entire world. And I was like, I bet he's thriving in prison, though. Like, I know that, like, dirty cops don't do well in prison normally. But, like. Alex really seems like he's doing well at this point. But he's not. Like I mean, I mean he emotionally is... he's not, but like no, but even, even then, like he's not getting into fights. I mean, obviously, and we find this out later, like he's not getting into fights. He's having good times with his like therapy and rehab, but like he's still not actually thriving because he still is a dirty cop, like at the right, end of right. the day. But like he's doing much better than I would have expected for a cop Fair. in prison. Fair. Um mm. So we just have that, like, reminder of where he's at before we pop back over to Norman, who has fooled everyone. I think it's so fucking social. He just knows everyone. He goes to the hardware store to buy paint because he's, like, been changing things out at the hotel and he's ready to, like, paint the outside. But and he's, like, talking there. to, like, random people that he walks by about their dogs and stuff. And I was yeah. like, when did he become a social person? He knows everyone and everyone knows him. And he walks in and he talks to um, this girl. And I was like, great. He's found a new crush. That's no good. Correct. Um, I literally wrote, oh, that poor girl. I know. And he's talking to her and it turns out she's married, which is best for everyone. And then she tells him that his house, he was like, he was like telling her where he's from. And she's like, oh my gosh, that house reminds me of a Hopper painting. And that's a connection because the Hopper painting house by the railroad is what inspired the look of the Bates house. Yes. So very good connection there. And then we learn her name is Madeline Loomis. Which am Loomis. Exactly. Which like takes us to be like, okay, we know this family. <laughs> and uh, then Norman goes to buy the paint. Everything is good. Everything is chill. And he pulls out a wallet. that's not his. Okay, but also, like, that was not enough paint for the outside of the motel. I don't know if that was a sample, but, like, she was holding, like, three jars of paint. I literally, as someone who just painted a room, absolutely not. I was so mad about it. I was going to say, you can't even paint, like, a whole room with that much paint. Like, I feel like. No, no, no. Because they were small cans. Like, but yeah. Agreed. Um, So he pulls out this wallet, and he's like, this isn't, he looks at the ID, doesn't recognize it. And we see the name Jim Brickwell, and we don't know what's going on. I was like, who the fuck's wallet is that? Right. I was like, who is this person? And he panics and he's like, oh no, I don't have my wallet. This is someone who left it at the hotel. I'll be back. And just like takes off. And that's the first time we see Norman not keeping it together for the season. Right. And uh, I mean, you know, in I his wrote, mind, not keeping it together. Right. I was like, what the actual fuck is happening right now? Yeah. And, uh, we have a brief scene of Alex trying to call someone and it going, it like not connecting. And so it's like, fine. 
we'll come back to that, I guess. Right. I literally didn't take any notes about that scene because I didn't think I understand why it was important until later. I just assumed it was important. I didn't know why. Um, <laughs> so we go to the Bates Motel and we see Norman's first memory lapse. And he's talking to Norma and he's like, I don't remember checking this guy in. He's like, I don't know why I have this wallet. And he says to her, he says, do you ever feel like you're, do you ever have the feeling you're living the same nightmare over and over without remembering it? And I was like, that is so terrifying. Oh, yeah. But like, also he's not taking his meds. So like, it's his own fault. But like, also terrifying. And she's just like, no. Like, okay. Way to just like blow that off, I guess. And then we go back to Dylan love of my life and this is when i realized how fucking long has it been yes that's also how i felt um we get there to his house in seattle he's having a party we learn that he's getting a promotion he's working in beer he's doing great everything is wonderful we find out that him and emma have had a baby they're like really a family now it's precious and then caleb shows up apparently randomly we learned that it's emma's birthday and she's having her birthday party i was like this is so awkward it was so awkward and emma is like handles it like a champ okay but then to be fair like i know he's kind of a mess and that we're still like not sure and he is not good for caleb but the fact that he was like i just kind of like kept up with you and two through Emma's yeah, Facebook yeah. because like I just wanted to make sure you were okay and I never reached out but then I saw that you had the baby and I just wanted to like let you guys know that I love you like I was like that's so sweet no that's very sweet and that's very fair it does not give him a right to be in their lives but it is nice <laughs> thought that he's doing that like I it's, like it's that so it's so them. hard because he is so bad for them but the difference like Norman aside, the difference is Norma is bad for them and she's selfish about it. Caleb is bad for them, but he's trying so hard not to be. He just doesn't have the tools to be a better person. Right, right. Like, I think with some therapy, Caleb would be a great grandpa. Yeah. I think therapy for all of them. Well, yeah, for sure. For sure, for sure. has to come in place before he could be involved in the family. Yeah, but... But I, I agree that that's not out of the realm of things. Um, they let him hold the baby. And we learn that Caleb, Emma, and Dylan still don't know about Norma. And that just kind of like caught me off guard because I was like, we've had such a time lapse that I feel like we should know. But the last thing we saw with Dylan was Norman saying, we shouldn't talk anymore. And Dylan completely disconnecting from that part of life. Like, that was his only connection to that town anymore was Norma and Norman he because he had everything anymore. else off. Because even if he did, like, who would be the only person he could reach out to? Alex? Alex is in prison. Chick? But they never got along. But, like, that's the only other person that would tell him, I feel right. like. And, and, and what, would, what would Chick say? We never know what happened with Chick coming back to Norman. Chick's probably not know. alive. Probably so. Bless like, story. my guess is that if Chick came back to check on Norman and stop him from whatever he was doing, he got the... Got the axe. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised by that. But, um, yeah, and then Caleb wants to stay with them because he has nowhere else to stay. And I'm like, you can't just show up people's houses and ask them to stay there. But, of course, but- Emma... And Dylan, well, Emma mostly is like, you know what? Yeah, we don't have an extra bedroom, but you can sleep on the couch. It's fine. Right. And like, whatever. So he's there now. We go back to Norman and he's double checking all the names of people he's checked in now to see if he can find Jim Brickwell. Mm-hmm. And of course he can't. Of course. And he, uh, what does that say? Oh, I said, of course, he creeped up the place with adding an incessant amount of taxidermy pets. Because we see him walking through. There's just so many animals everywhere. Yeah. Um, and then we learn Norman's been keeping a diary of his blackouts. Okay. And honestly, and- yeah, go ahead. My note says that is somehow the creepiest and healthiest thing he's ever done. 
literally like i was like this is honestly the most like healthy he's been at keeping up with his like mental health because he can keep up with where he's at when he's there and figure out when he like what happened on the other right side. like and the fact that he like knows when he blacks out and has like a calendar of it and is able to like identify if things happened during those events like that is the healthiest thing he ever Absolutely. could do other than i don't know maybe fucking like, taking his meds get, yeah like get treatment or something yeah no right and, like, not kill people yeah fine but um 100 yeah so that kind of surprised me um but in a good way, I guess, even right. though I understand that, like, he needs to be doing yeah. something different. But at least I, there's yeah. I was, like, so baffled because I was like, how am I supposed to feel about this? Because I'm creeped out by it. But also, like, mentally, that's not a bad choice. Like, what? Right. What is happening? And he learns at the time that he was theoretically around Jim Brickwell was when he yeah. had one of his memory lapses. Good. But that's all we know. That's all and we, we have know. a... Another brief moment. I really like, as much as I don't, I get annoyed by like jumping around episodes. I like how we had the brief interactions with Alex throughout this episode. Mm-hmm. It was really well placed and really well done for the story. Yeah. <clears throat> um, and this is when we learned that his parole got denied, and his, I assume, parole officer, um, or like not parole officer, but whoever's like, like counselor in prison, whatever they yeah. are doing, however they're doing that, um had recommended he get parole said he's a model prisoner yada yada and he's like you knew i wasn't getting out of here like they don't let uh, cops out like it's he's like i'm a dirt he's like i'm a dirty cop that that's they're gonna use me as an example whether i'm exactly. a good prisoner or not like that's how that works i just need two more years until i'm out of here right and so he's just like committed to it he's like i know this is how it's gonna go it's just it just is what it is yeah um which is like sad but also like true mm-hmm. um, but then we go back to norman who like of all of the things finds a charge for luminol he's calling this number and he's like what did i buy and they're like luminol he's like i don't even know what that is it's like norman that's no. only used to like clean up blood yeah like to like, show like it's Oh, that's the only you, you think like and he's like i wouldn't have bought that and like you think after everything that you've done while not having a blackout that you having a blackout couldn't have bought luminol right right so whatever he's lost his mind of course and we have a, a guest walk in who's trying to rent a room for a few hours and he says his name is david davidson um, I literally had to pause this and stared at it for so long because I was like, I know that guy. I know that guy. I know that guy. It's because he's Julian Baker from One Tree Hill. Mm-hmm. Uh, the actor's name is Austin Nichols, but I was like, I know that guy, but I can't look it up because I'll spoil something for myself, but I need to know because I know that guy. And my mom was like, are you okay? And I was like, I'm just going to go to just the episode and I'm going to scroll really fast and I'm not going to look at how many episodes of the show he's on just to, so that I don't know anything. <laughs> I Wait, love that. But I, like, um, oh. I also wonder how many episodes he's in, but uh, we'll come back to that. So he's giving the guy, he gives him, a, obviously it's a fake name. Yeah. But he rents to him for the night. He gives him a key. And, and this is really the first time we see Norman Bates from the original Psycho as a motel manager because we see yeah. the peephole that he carved. Well, and also I saw him like hover over the key for room number two and then switch to the key for room number one. And I go, Norman, you're such a perv, but also like, I'm curious. So fair enough. Right. Like I need to know <laughs> like, more. So like, it's totally fine, I guess. But, but. <sighs> yeah. Um. So, so he's so creepy. So he's looking through the peephole and I was like, I'm going to guess he kills them. I don't know. <laughs> I'm gonna guess he kills them. Right. Um, I mean, it's a fair assumption. Right. And we get a, but he, in the middle of his thought process and whatnot, he gets a phone call that brings him back to reality. Theoretically. You're right. However, the phone call is from Norma telling him to come home because it's time for dinner. So he goes home and he asks Norma about the luminol and she's like oh i don't know you probably didn't get that's not a thing it's not whatever and that's when we like learn for sure we're like told that he's not taking his medicine 
I mean, it's pretty yeah. obvious, but this is just well, kind of yeah. like confirmation, you know, like mm-hmm. it's absolutely like, okay, that's what it is. He's like, I um, hate having these blackouts. He's like, well, you could take your medicine again. And he's like, no, thank you. Right. Right. So like, eh, is what it is. So, uh, and then he starts telling her about Madeline Loomis that he met. He's like, I met this girl. She picked out the paint, whatever, yada, yada, yada. Cause Norma really liked the color. And Norma yeah. has a breakdown about it. Like, she is not happy. And she just tells him, you just can't have other people in your life. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> she's like, she, but she's like, I have been faking being dead so that my whole life could be about taking care of you. So how dare you want someone in your life other than me? And I go, oh, so that's the lie you told yourself. Great. Right. Right. That is uh, how it goes. But uh and of course, we still see them in his head. They're still sleeping together, physically, not in a like sexual way, but like just physically. Yeah, sleeping yeah, in yeah. yeah. And <laughs> then he goes downstairs to the basement or to the. I think yeah, it's the basement, the basement here, it's but the like basement. it's the fruit cellar in the <laughs> in the regular movie, right? And um, to see to curl up with his like dead mother, which is uh. I just wrote holy shit. Yeah. But that's fine because we go back to Emma and Dylan. (laughs) Our moment of breathing. Oh, sure. Emma starts saying she thinks Caleb wants to move to Seattle and blah, blah, blah. And then Dylan finally tells her that Caleb gave the money for him to pay for her lung transplant. Yeah. And and we also learned the baby's name is Kate. I don't think that's relevant. I just thought it was fun to know. Yes. Um. And then Norman is still spiraling at this point. He goes back into the motel, and we the safe is open, and he thinks it's Norma because he's delusional. Um. And then out of nowhere, Madeline Loomis shows up, and. That's not great for her, but she does. Oh, I was like, so, run, lady. Right. So she wants to see the house because she just thinks it's beautiful. And Norman looks up at the window and pictures Norma there. And you see the curtain move. And it's yeah. the same shot from the original Psycho film where he looks up and he says, oh, my mother's up there. She's sick. And like, it looks like someone's still in the house. Yeah. And uh, Sam and uh i forget what um uh, lila 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 yeah lila and sam also thought they saw something but the like detective doesn't see anything or whatever and uh then maddie invites him to a meeting for small businesses was like yeah you're not wrong to invite him to that but you're you don't know what you're doing <laughs> no i wrote run lady get out of there yeah and also she's like super married and she's not really acting like it so don't appreciate that either to be fair my theories because obviously things are a little bit different in this than they are in the movie but this is like um the one thing that i knew prior to the show was that the last season kind of like overlaps and interacts with the movie and in the movie we know that sam is divorced because his wife, like, ran out on him. And that things are sticky and complicated. Mm-hmm. So, like, my theory when I heard her name being Loomis and she was married in this hardware store, all I could think was that this is the first wife. It is. Okay. It is. Can confirm. <clears throat> okay. Um, so, so, yeah, of course she's going to get involved. Right. And, uh, but bless her heart still, you know. Yeah. Um, and then we go back to Emma and Caleb, which is not a combination I was expecting. But she walks in in the middle of the night and he's eating cake. Cause, like, I mean, same. And, yeah. uh, she's there. He's asking her about pregnancy, if she was scared. She's like, Yeah, I was totally scared second trimester, but I just felt so strong. Like, everything was fine. And then she tells him that Dylan told her about the money and she was like, I really appreciate it. I can't thank you enough. I'll always be grateful. I like, I really appreciate it. And then she says, I'll always be grateful 
but you have to leave. And I was like, well, because in the other scene, in the other scene, when we have the stuff with Kate, basically like I, I literally, my note from the first scene was like, your life has flourished without the crazy, but like you still love him. So like, I get it. And Emma is the, Dylan is never going to tell his dad. No. And Emma is like the only way I can protect my husband, partner, boyfriend, whatever he is at this point. The only way I can protect him is to say the things that he's not going to say. Absolutely. And and so she does the only correct thing. And it's like, this isn't coming from him. This is coming from me. But you can't be here. And like, she's truly the only, like, she's the most put together person in this show. And she even looks it like the way that they've changed her costume with aging her up. Like she looks like she has her shit together. She's very stable. She's very, and she's no longer like the half of a person because she, you know, was connected to a machine. She had all these sicknesses. She's like a fully grown woman who is very strong and capable of like taking on anything now. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And I really like that like portrayal of her. I like the, the, um, Mm -hmm contrast between how we started and where we're at now with Emma. Right. I was like, Emma's the only one on the show who's going to say the things that no one else, that everyone is thinking and no one is saying. Yeah. Um, And then Norman decides he's going to the small business meeting. Because why not? Right. And uh, so he's like, all right, I'm headed out. And Norman's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. Okay, and but he's, he's trying like, to sneak out. And I was like, sir, yeah. you don't have to sneak out from your hallucination. Yeah, exactly. Like, no one's really there. But she's like, okay, sounds good, but you can't take the car. And he like has this whole fight with his hallucination that he's gonna take the car anyways. And like he goes to get in the car and goes to back up and then he sees her behind the car. And I was like, this is an insane delusion. Like this is at least like, until this point. Absolutely batshit. Right. But like before this point in the episode, he's kept her in the house the whole time. Like so this is us seeing her come out of the house again, like in and his he, he even is like, Why are you leaving the house? And I'm like, Why did you let her leave the house? It's in your mind. What is happening? Right. And uh she's like, I have to take care of you. If you're not gonna play by the rules, I'm not gonna play by the rules. And he says, Who asked you to take care of me? And I'm like, You did. You did. <laughs> you're the reason this is all happening. Like, but uh that's when she's like, Let me show you. And she takes him down to the basement and we find the dead bodies. Specifically at this point, Jim Brickwells. I'm sure there have been others. Yeah. I think the only one that's in the basement at the moment is Jim Brickwell. Right. And uh, we come up on a flashback that was really well done. I really enjoyed this flashback. Yes. I love um, how they did this scene. I did too. And uh, it turns out a man came in, pulled the gun on Norman while he was changing out the shower curtain. And then in Norman's mind, Norma comes in behind him and stabs him. And they have, and that's what they have the great lighting effects in all of the scene mm-hmm. where it's just so chaotic. And we've had so many like distinct lighting. We have Dylan and Emma are in a happy place. They're in the their, their whole house is like seventies yellow and warm yeah. and like hippie. And you come to mm-hmm. Emma and Caleb and they're in the dark because it's like not as great of a scene when you see em, uh, Norma and Norman and Norman's happy memories, happy delusion, everything is bright and light. But after that, it's all dark. So they've done a very like broad contrast well, here. Because we well, have also the- we already have the we didn't talk about it in the moment, but when Norma has the breakdown and she says all the things about pretending to be dead, Norman is like, Well, at least you're here and we have paradise here, which goes into the fact that the, the dark episode paradise. is called Dark Paradise. Yeah. But like so in Norman's paradise, everything is super right. warm. And now it is not and you see even in the flashback that like they take it out of complete darkness which is what they've been using a lot to show the like darker times and they still bring in the light like you still see flashes but it's it's not a warm light it's It's not a warm warm. light exactly and that's why i like how well they did this scene yeah Um, and uh I was like, oh, they're just going to put him in the pit. I don't know if the pit still exists. I don't know if it's like all the way covered up yet. But, I think it's uh, all the way covered up. Yeah. So uh, she tells him after she goes through this whole thing, she's like, it's not like we haven't done this before. And that's and like. what so he said. No, but that's what he said. Not oh, what she yeah. says. And I was like, oh, so he's like cognizant enough of the fact that this right. is like not the first time. 
Right. Which, but I don't know that, I don't know that, is that referring to Keith? Is that referring to like, um, how many other people have they killed together? I don't fucking know at this point. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm sure he considers Bradley that way. I'm sure he considers, uh, the other two women, Emma's mom and, um, Mm -hmm. what's her name? I forgot her name. Blair. Blair that way, because I, because he believes Norma killed them and he believes that he helped take care of it. Right. So, like, right, right. he could be just referring to the people that we already know about. But he could be not. But he could be not. And I'm 100% I, sure there was The more. other thing is when he's having these flashbacks and he's having this conversation with Norma, he keeps asking the same question. And he keeps asking, why did this guy try to kill me? And I was like, that's the only, like, coherent part of this is, like, the fact that he doesn't, he, it, this time it was in self-defense because this guy was yeah. trying to kill him and he doesn't understand why. But he then also asks, why did, how did Norma get there so fast? So, like, he, even in his, right, Mine even in his hallucination it. of the events, he cannot understand what's happening here, which is right. fascinating. It is. And it shows, like, how different his mind has transformed even though he's still having a lot of the same delusions that like it's grown a lot differently mm-hmm. um, in a more terrifying turn of events it seems right um and then they have the scene where they take the body and she was like that's why you couldn't have the car because i was going to get rid of the body and um and he's so like they, all right well then let's get to work right so they get the body and they take it out and this scene was too dark which is a lot of my complaints on modern day lighting and horror films is that they like if you're looking at like a 60s film or like even when we were watching coal shack it was like dark but it was like you had night vision on you could see everything yeah and now they try to use the darkness as like a it's so dark you can't see anything you don't know what's going on it makes it scarier and i'm like it doesn't do that for me like i don't it's, like i'm not scared i just can't see shit exactly and it's like and the lighting just doesn't do it for me when it's that dark. And I thought this yeah. scene was that way, which is usually, usually I don't have that complaint with the show, but being the last season, being the most recent, it's following a little bit of more of a, a modern that trap. Yeah. Yeah. Which is unfortunate. And I'm hoping that that doesn't last throughout. Um, and then while they're burying the body and they're taking everything apart. But, okay, one thing I want to say before we actually get to this moment where they're in the lake, because my mom is obviously not really watching the show for real, for real, but she, her and I are both home today because it's Martin Luther King Day. She's like walking in and out of the room with me. And she brought up a really good point that I would have probably thought of anyway. But like, it's one thing when he's alone at home and he's having conversations. Mm -hmm. But the amount of things in this episode that he is doing something in tandem with her when he's mm-hmm. actually alone, the physics of his hallucinations freak me out because he's physically carrying a, an adult male body down the stairs by himself. Alone. And that is so fucking bananas to me. Mm-hmm. And I think that like, I know, I mean, that plays into a sense of like, you know, if you have, um, what is it when like, what is the adrenaline like you have a gen- mm-hmm. adrenaline rush like mm-hmm. they say mothers can lift cars off of their kids like and yeah, so but I that's think still not something that states, his adrenaline is running because his mind is so warped I, that's what that's the only way i could no and i think that that's probably what is happening and i think there's a lot of the timing of things that that works but like the watching him physically carry the body in a way that could not have been by itself like my mind my thoughts are like so if he wasn't actually carrying it with two people he was carrying with one person he's dragging it what did he leave on the ground like it's the things that i'm like oh yes yes it's the things where i'm trying to figure out what is I know that we're seeing what he's seeing, but what is actually, actually being left behind? Yeah. How is he going to fix the holes? When is he going to come to in a way that he f- cleans up after him? Like the whole right. logic of the mental illness, which I get is not the point. That's what I'm stuck on. No, but I think it's, I think it's a good point to make though. Like, I think it's definitely something very interesting about this show that like, isn't on the forefront addressed right but um 
And I think, you know, I think it's a great like talking point because I do think it's come up sometimes in the, I mean, in the past, Norma's cleaned up after him. Mm -hmm. And like, now that she's not there, how does he get those things cleaned up? You know, like, I think that's a great question. And like, like, we know he's not really fully cleaning up after himself because we see the way the dishes are in the kitchen. We see the way the, the laundry is in the bathroom. Like, so, but when it's not, in the house he seems to have a better hold of things so when it comes to the bodies i'm just fascinated into what he is what is actually happening versus what he is seeing happening and i wonder what we're not seeing because also like if you think about it like he's putting these bodies in the trunk of the car assumably all of them um and what if like in reality there's just a ton of blood in the car there's a lot of like grime from these bodies because like who's checking he's not driving people around he's not like people aren't stopping and opening up his trunk so yeah but then he's ordering luminol online well yeah and i think that like that obviously is a part of it but i don't know if that's more for the hotel itself right but then like maybe he's just addressing what has to be done you know right but then also like genuinely in terms of science how is that boat floating with him like not capsizing the way he's tossing the body in the water if he's not two people. Right. And maybe it's a delusion. Maybe he like rolled it over the side. Maybe it was like, you know, maybe it's what we're seeing. I mean, I assume what we're seeing is not what's really happening. Oh, for sure. And so like, you know, there are different ways. He might think he's standing on the end and they're tossing it over, but at the same time, he could be, like, standing in the middle and should roll it over, like... Right, would... no, but it's it's things like that there are, that I'm, like, I want to know what the actual physical thing is yeah. because I get that I'm seeing what he's seeing and that is fascinating in and of itself, but I'm more worried about how he's managing to do it without getting caught. No, I do love that because I, I thought, like, that's why I like the really beginning scene where you see the, like, mess after mm-hmm. his reality, like, when you come back to his reality. And I, I would like to see more of that with, like, these type of scenes where you see, like, this is oh, what sides. he like, Here's what's really happening. Exactly. Yes. That's so the most would, fascinating part yeah. to me. And, uh, and, I mean, they did do that a little bit when it was before Norma was dead, where mm-hmm. he was visualizing Norma and then would show and it would show him talking to nothing yeah yeah so like i'm hoping they go back to that a bit this season um Mm -hmm. but we'll see that's a a good thought um but yeah and then they play it last by uh, ella fitzgerald (laughs) which is like the creepiest song to throw dead bodies away to but fine and then the phone starts ringing and Norman grabs the phone out of his pocket, and instead of just throwing it in the water, like fake Norma says, he answers it. And we learn, along with Norman, literally Alex- as as he started answering it, I had a flashback to the first phone scene, and I was like, no. And it was I like know. Ben. It was like Ben Correctional Facility, and I literally just go, "Fuck no!" And I'm freaking out. And my mom, who, like I said, hasn't been watching the entire episode, goes, "Does he know who that voice is?" I go, "Mom, that was Alex." She goes, "No, it wasn't." I was like, "Yes." He a hundred percent knows who that voice is. No question. Um, and we learn Alex sent Jim to kill him, which checks out. <laughs> is a surprise but shouldn't be because he like you know that's his only goal in life right now is to kill norman like yeah in whatever way he wants to so and that's where we leave the episode and that's it this was a pretty good opening episode especially for like for sure with having a time jump and being the final season like i'm not disappointed no not at all and i'm excited to see where this season goes now like yes i am I'm with you on that. Um, that said, who do you want to punch in the face? I mean, Norman. It's, I, so I knew uh, you were going to pick Norman. So I'm kind of having a cop out and I'm picking fake Norman. That's fair. Which technically is Norman, but... But, I mean, at this point... Um, who's your MVP? Emma. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's gotta be. I don't know who else it could be in this episode. She's, yep. She's the only one. And I think she's incredible. Um, You're going to be surprised, but my secondary MVP, because I knew you'd pick Emma, is Caleb. That's fair. No. Listen, when have I ever been anti somebody picking Caleb as a good person? I've been no, fighting for I Caleb just feel since like day it's one. Shocking that I pick Caleb because I I've know. always been anti. I know, but I've been and Team like, Caleb since day one. I know. And I still think he can't be involved. And I still think there's too much there that like oh, Emma's I, 100% correct. Oh, but, no, I do too. I think Emma's right for what she says. I think Caleb is too filled with trauma to be healthy for Dylan. I don't think Caleb's a bad person. I think both can be absolutely true. Yeah. And I think, I think Caleb is trying to do what's best for everyone, even because, because for the the past, you know, however many years, two to three, he's only been watching them online. He hasn't been approaching them. He hasn't been checking it out. And just when they had a baby is when he was like, I I have to see this child. Like my grand, yeah, exactly. And so like, that makes sense that he would show up. I mean, Still would have been nice to call, but like, right. I get it. Like, but I, but I mean, I even like, in just like, so my, when he was like upset, like when he first saw the baby and he was hugging her and he was talking about how beautiful she was. And he was like, I bet normal Louise just loves this. And they were like, yeah, like we don't talk to her. And he was like, but there's a grandkid involved. I felt really intense in that moment because, um, it's not really a secret, but that my dad and my grandpa did not have a good relationship um, and that they only he- like mended and got close again after I was born. So like as the grandkid who fixed those situations, I like I know the pressure and it like I like it got me choked up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we have similar instances in our family. So I, yeah. I also follow closely. Um but yeah, and so like I, I did pick Caleb because I do think he's trying his best and he's not and when Emma tells him he has to leave, he doesn't try to fight it because he no. knows that she's right. And like he's so upset about it, but like he's like, but I can't argue. And he doesn't seem to like he's trying not to let on how upset he is because he, he knows Emma's right and he doesn't want to make things harder for them. And so like while I still have my interest with Caleb. Yeah. This particular episode, I do think he kind of came out on top right under Emma. Yeah. So um, I do have a few trivia facts for you. One I've already addressed. Um, the hardware store is owned by Sam Loomis. So it's Sam and Madeline on it. Um, and then and we learned that Emma's birthday is in October. Um, okay. Great. I didn't know it was October in the episode, but I knew could. Yep. I was going to say, you couldn't have told me for shit that that was October. They were barbecuing. I'm sorry. They were barbecuing on the patio in In uh, Seattle. In Seattle. It was not October. Right. But that's what, that's what the trivia says. So whatever. Um, The couple in the hotel room are Sam Lewis and Marion Crane. You know, I thought that that might be what that was. Like, I had, like, a thought that, like, that that would be how that would all work out. I have some issues with how they're doing it because I don't think Marion would run away. Like, if we're talking about the plot of Psycho, Marion running away, it was it isn't going to be at a hotel that she's already been to. Like, No, absolutely. Just- I mean, Norman had never seen her before at this one, and and psycho like and so i know and i know yeah. that they're taking some liberties with that but yeah that no, I, I did when i was watching that i was like what if that is sam and marion yeah it was it was um and then my last fun fact um the record that we see the record location on it is plainfield which is where ed keen is from which is what anthony i mean um robert block Block, is that his last name? Robert Block, originally based Psycho on. Oh, Ed So uh Yeah, those are my those are my fun facts for you. Those are my fun facts for you. They're so fun, really. Aren't they? I thought so. I thought so. Um Yeah, so we did it. We uh this is obviously a much shorter episode than Sunday because it is a regular episode. That's our regular scheduled format. Yeah, we're back to it. We're about to break into season three of Stargate. 
-hmm. we're on the last season of Bates Motel. Things are oh, but wild. You know what that means, though, with being on the last season of Bates Motel, that means we're going to have to, like, pick a new show soon. And I know you and I have talked about it, but, like... Yeah. So exciting. Stay tuned. You know, we'll do our movie, our movie at the end before. We'll do our DNA awards. So if you have recommendations for finale movies, if you have recommendations for next season, you can start sending them in at any time. We've got 10 Please. weeks to figure it out. Fantastic. So um, well, 12 weeks with the movie episode and the DNA and awards. And the DNA awards, yeah. So um, yeah, so stay tuned. Check in Thursday, Sunday, today's Thursday. Check in Sunday for the season premiere of season three of Stargate SG1. No, no. Oh my gosh, do not do not watch Stargate season three, episode one. Please no. watch Stargate Origins with Catherine. <laughs> yes, Stargate Origins Catherine on Tubi or Redbox or pay for it on Amazon or Apple or any of those. Yeah. JK, we're watching it as one movie. It is uh, going to be fun. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be interesting. Um, I'm ready. I'm excited about it. So, yeah, um, take like half of what I said this episode and follow it. Everything else, just let it go. <laughs> just, <laughs> just, just it's been too um, long. We're, we need to eat food. We've been talking for almost six hours now, so it's fine. Um, but it's been real. It's been great. <laughs> We love you guys. If you want to talk to us, if you want to recommend those movies, TV shows, have thoughts, have questions, email us, deathandaliens at gmail.com. Find us on all the social media at deathandaliens. You can find me at cecloud13. And you can follow me everywhere at emkay underscore superstar. And we will see you for Stargate Origins. Bye. Bye. Thank <laughs> you.